Hi everyone, February is National Heart Health Month. So I thought we would spend some time on heart healthy topics this month, alongside of course our regular self-love topics, which I will still be sharing a lot about, but I really do wanna focus in on heart health. And to kick us off, I'm bringing back today a super special guest, my mom, who is here for the third time with us now, um, but this time for a little bit of a different reason. Uh, my mom has undergone a couple of heart health scares in the past few months that have really opened our eyes in a lot of ways. And today we simply want to share some of that story with you in hopes that maybe um, while we're learning lessons, there are lessons you can learn too. Hey there, and welcome to Be Well with Steph, the podcast. This is the show for you if you believe that personal wellness can be an actively pursued goal, and you're ready to tackle building healthier daily habits with a little bit of good humor, a little bit of grace, and a little bit of coffee. I'm Steph. I'm your wellness and nutrition coach and your host, and I want to make it really clear. You're not expected to be or live perfectly here. Lord knows I don't. After battling diet culture and then learning to navigate the world of wellness culture myself, I know a few things are true. One, it doesn't have to be complicated to be effective. Two, you are capable of creating a lifestyle you love. And three, you have everything you need to start doing that today inside your own beautiful self. On this show, we'll talk about nourishing yourself, moving your body, getting a good night's sleep, caring for your mental health, being in community, and maintaining day-to-day -day practices that make you feel good. I'm here to help empower you to create and maintain a lifestyle of wellness that gives you the strength, energy, and confidence to go after your wildest dreams. Okay, here we go. Hi, Mom. Hi, Steph. How are you doing? I'm, I'm good. 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 <laughs> Thanks for having me back. Anytime. Always welcome to hang out in Sarah's studio and talk to <laughs> random strangers with me. Yeah. <laughs> Anytime. Awesome. Um, so let's just get started. Um, maybe you could just share a little a, a bit, share with the audience a little bit how you've been feeling and um, what your health has experienced over the past couple of years. Sure. Well, lately, incredibly grateful. Backing up, I hadn't felt well since I can't even remember, like a couple of years, right? My blood pressure would spike really high, like really scary high, and my energy level was incredibly low. When my blood pressure spiked, I felt awful. I just felt awful. Simple tasks I used to do regularly, like going for walks, yard work, just going up and down the stairs, they now were taking a lot of effort. I would need to rest for long periods of time after minimal activity. It was ridiculous. I tried explaining it to my doctor, to my family. I always felt like I just didn't have the right words to say. The worse I felt, the harder I tried to adjust with diet and exercise and be as healthy as I could. It was so discouraging that nothing seemed to work, including my blood pressure medicines weren't working. My doctor did all kinds of tests and blood work. Nothing was showing up. I was in and out of the emergency room. I saw different doctors. I was diagnosed with other things because I think they needed to put some kind of label on how I was feeling. But I knew there was something else. I think we all did, right? 
I had suggested a cardiologist to my doctor on several occasions, but I think based on my age, he didn't see that as a realistic step. Finally, with encouragement from you guys and the insistence that we just don't let this go because it was such a quality of life issue. I told my doctor I needed to see the cardiologist and finally, finally, he agreed. I don't know what took so long, but he agreed, <laughs> finally. They got me in really quickly and based on the history of my health and my blood pressure, they scheduled me for a stress test and an echocardiogram. Funny, with as horrible as I was feeling, it didn't occur to me that, it would actually, that I would actually fail it. I just had the thought of, when I pass it, they're not going to find anything. I literally could not complete the test. So the next step was, I was, I was scheduled for a nuclear stress test, which allowed them to see my heart without me having to actually be on a treadmill. This was crazy because a few years ago, I was like running on the treadmill for exercise and for fun. Right. And now it was, I don't know, it was just crazy. It was crazy that I couldn't do it. Mm -hmm. I couldn't comprehend that. Fast forward to the nuclear stress test, and all I kept thinking was, what on earth am I going to do when they don't find anything? I think for a long time, we were in a pattern of them not finding things, right? So you, know. You know, it works that way sometimes with specialists. Like you go to your doctor, they have an idea. You go to the specialist, they don't find something. Right. So you go back to your doctor, it, you go to the specialist, they don't find something. It happened so many times. It was just so frustrating. Right. So we did go into these tests thinking like, okay, this is another like rule it out type situation. Yeah. Dad was with me and we were watching people chat and come and go and finish their test at the end, you know, at the end of mine, mm -hmm. like getting ready to go. And then I heard the dirt, the words that I did not anticipate hearing. My technician said, Sharon, I'd like you to wait while the doctor looks at your results. I came out and told this to dad and he's like, well, that doesn't sound good. <laughs> not what we were expecting. No. Yeah. Finally, after waiting, my cardiologist came out and got us asked us to come with him. We were told that he saw what may or may not be a blockage and he'd like me to have an angiogram. I literally looked at him and said, do you really think this is necessary? <laughs> he looked at me like I was a little crazy. And he said, I mean, you did fail two stress tests. I wouldn't be sending you for this if I didn't think it was necessary. Mm -hmm. Dad and I were stunned to say the least, but I still had in the back of my head I'm going to go through all of this. And when they don't find anything, then what am I going to do? Mm -hmm. So November 14th, I headed to Mercy Hospital for what I honestly feared was a waste of time. Just as a point of interest, my first appointment with the cardiologist was September 1st, just so we have mm -hmm. an understanding. And then this one was September 1st, and then this angiogram was? November 14th. Okay, so over two months. Okay. Right. And having conversation with the nurse at the hospital, who, by the way, was absolutely wonderful. Mm -hmm. She told me that 65% of people who have the angiogram, they don't find anything. Of course, that convinced me even more that they weren't going to find anything today either. I was awake for the procedure, but drugged enough so I could be relaxed and not feel anything. They told me I had to be awake in case I had a heart attack, and I'm thinking, oh, good Lord, please just knock me out. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did not. I did not want to be awake for this. <laughs> right. No, of course not. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> Dad and Sarah were told that it should take, sorry, dad and Sarah were with me. Yes. Sorry. Yeah, you I were was at, at work and Sarah and dad were there. I came later, um, but that's, that's later in the story. Right. Uh, <laughs> um, they were told it shouldn't take more than 30 minutes. And if it does, that's because they ran into a problem. 
I recall in the midst of things, my surgeon saying, Sharon, we have to do a little work here. I asked, I asked him if that was because they found something. And he said, honey, I will talk to you when I'm done. I guess, <laughs> I guess I should be grateful that he didn't want to chat it up while he was working on me. I did not hear the part of the story. <laughs> Sorry, I'm laughing. It's not funny. It's not funny, but the way you tell it is funny. So, well, right. when I asked... And he answered me, then I felt stupid for asking, but I'm like, he started talking first. So. Right. Well, and you're drugged, so yeah. Right, right, right. <laughs> okay, sorry. Um, Go ahead. <laughs> uh, well, so once the 30 minutes had passed, I learned later that it occurred to Dad and Sarah something was going on. Afterward, my surgeon went to, to uh, talk to them and walked with them and met me back at my room. I knew by the look on their faces that I did not fall within the 65%. The first thing dad the first thing dad said to me was, I can't wait to walk in the woods with you. It's one of our favorite things to do at the lake that I hadn't been able to do in such a long time. And now I I had hope that I was gonna be able to do that again. It turns out that this was not the waste of time I was afraid of. And that I had two blockages, both eighty-nine percent blocked. Needless to say, we were all surprised. I mean, I'm 54 years old, I'm not overweight, and I follow a whole food plant-based lifestyle. What the heck? Right, right. It just didn't make any sense. The surgeon told us that it had been like this for a long time. Clearly, my former self got the best of me, as well as genetics, of course. Both of my parents had heart disease, but it never occurred to me at this age that it would happen to me. I've actually been working so hard to, to make it not happen, trying to be the, the healthy version. But here we are. I I think that our first gut instinct there was that, was like, how, how, how could that be here? Because that doesn't happen to people who care for themselves the way you care for yourself, right? right? And it put a lot of it in the like, well, if we can't even control it, then what are we doing type mentality? That's where my brain went to right, right. away. It was like, right. well, if mom's doing, been doing all of these things for so many years now that are supposed to support her heart health and this could still happen, what are we doing, right? right. And so we'll talk in a little, in like a few minutes because right. there are a lot of obviously realizations and thoughts that we've had since then. And that's Right. what we want to share with you. Yeah. Um, I couldn't believe, I don't know if, I, if I'm jumping the gun here, but so I was at work when all this was going on. And of course they're texting me updates and we knew something was wrong because it was taking too much time. Right. So Sarah's saying like, yeah, she's not out yet. So clearly they're doing something right. And when I saw that text message to 89% blockages, I was like stunned. Like how, how could that even be? And at the same time, of course, how much sense that makes because like you're saying about the activities that you couldn't participate in, your energy being so low, your activity level being so low. Well, right. your five oxygen minutes, supply Right, was five so minutes low. Of, of raking leaves or mm-hmm. going, you know, two minutes of going up and down the stairs. It, it, I couldn't do it. Right, and, and your oxygen supply was getting so low that when I walked into the room after, like at the hospital after the procedure, like when I got out of work and I got there and I walked in, I was like, oh my gosh, there's color in your face that I haven't seen in a really long time. This is the color you're supposed to have. And you know, it's like when you're with somebody every day, you don't notice the same changes. So, you know, they, they say that like, 
say somebody's going through some sort of weight loss or weight gain journey or muscle gain journey, and you, the people you live with don't necessarily notice those little tiny incremental changes. But then if you were to see somebody you haven't seen After in a, a few months, time, right? you know, they're like, mm-hmm. wow, you look so different. That is kind of how it felt is I didn't notice the color change coming out of you and the oxygen supply getting lower and lower. But holy cow, it was like, oh, well, there it is <laughs> all at once coming back. Right, yeah. right. Well, like I said, I didn't I didn't believe there was anything wrong. No, I knew there was something wrong. I didn't believe they were going to find it because right. they hadn't been finding things for so long. Right. But apparently I just hadn't been in the right place. Yeah. So afterward, you know, when I came home, the next few days, reality set in. It was an emotional roller coaster. Mm-hmm. You know, just trying to make sense of it all and, you know, trying to move forward. I, if I allowed myself to think about it then and I allow myself to think about now the possibility that I could have had a heart attack, it, 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 it freaks me out. Mm-hmm. I know what happens to people all the time, but you know, anybody that's going through something personally, it just, it's a little different when it happens to you. Mm-hmm. So like I said, I am absolutely grateful for every day. Yeah. And, and the lessons we've learned since then or the, the way that our thought processes have changed since that initial finding out, I think we're really significant. And I think that's what kind of led us to have this conversation. Mom actually came to me and, and asking you to share your story on the podcast isn't something that I would have like imposed on you because I know if I would have asked you, you would have said yes, but I wanted to make sure that like that was something that you felt comfortable with. And when you brought it to me, you were like, I feel like we need to tell people about this situation and about what we've learned and what our thoughts are here, just maybe so that they'll learn to maybe that they can share in some of this lesson and some of this changes in thinking with us. We were always taught, watch for the signs of what a heart attack is. Mm -hmm. I knew what the signs of what a heart attack were. I didn't know the signs of what it felt like when you hadn't yet had one. So this was as much as I, you know, I watched my mother go through this so many times in her life, but she was much older. Mm -hmm. I didn't know, or I guess when it's happening, you don't want to know, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. so you're blinded to what the signs and symptoms really are. Well, and this, and, is, this couldn't happen to me, you know, and your heart was healthy. So I think we need to say that again is like you had EKGs regularly. You've had, you know, other tests done on your heart itself that didn't have any findings. I've had more EKGs than anybody should have in one lifetime. (laughs) Right. So that, you know, every time the blood pressure goes up, they're like, oh, maybe there's something wrong with your heart. Let's do an EKG. And the EKGs are all clear and clean. So there is a little bit of that. Well, it must not be heart. It must be like an auxiliary symptom to something else. Right. Right. And I think, I hope that we're going to talk about this a little bit with the lessons that we've learned here is that Thank God your heart was strong. Right. And so, if, well, if I'd gotten to the point of actually having the heart attack, then I would have been seriously in trouble, obviously. Mm-hmm. But but because it was the blockages, I know it's it's confusing that I had the blockages, but the heart was healthy. Right. Right. Absolutely. So um, if I can jump to the next question a little bit. Um, so what feels important to you about this conversation we're sharing today? Before I share any lessons or thoughts that I have about it, um, what lessons do you feel like this is teaching you that you can share with our listeners? I think most importantly, the sooner you start taking care of yourself, the better off you're going to be. I mean, I follow a plant-based diet, but I haven't always. Mm -hmm. And for a long time, I thought I was being healthy. 
I used to eat, you know, I haven't eaten meat in what, almost 30 years, but I would eat eggs and cheese because I needed protein. I didn't, you know, I didn't think about, I wasn't eating meat, so I wasn't getting that cholesterol, but I ate a lot of salad, but I also cover it in cheese and ranch dressing, you know, like Mm -hmm. a lot of Americans do. Mm -hmm. And it's no secret that, of course, I loved chips. Right. That that was not probably one of my best decisions (laughs) at this point. I used to cook with oils that were unhealthy. You know, I didn't just use olive oil or no oil. And let's face it, I am a product of my parents growing up in the 70s. -hmm. I love my mother dearly, but healthy cooking was not her thing. Mm -hmm. Her favorite meals to make were things like meatloaf and baked potatoes. (laughs) Thank God for the baked potatoes, but Mm -hmm. burgers and fries and liver and onions and beef stew. And, Mm -hmm. you know, grandma was a dessert person, so there was always dessert. Mm -hmm. There were vegetables, but they weren't the main focus of the meal. Mm -hmm. She did a great job feeding us the best that she knew how. And she learned to cook from my grandmother, which was, you know, I'd love to say it, Pennsylvania Dutch. Mm -hmm. So it was, it was just not healthy food. But uh, I would also like to take a second and remember my mom because it is Heart Health Awareness Month. And my mom passed away from her disease nine years ago this month. Really soon at the time of the release of this episode. I think this episode comes out on the Monday the 6th. So that would be Wednesday the 8th, right? So that would be right. nine years. Nine yeah. years on the 8th. So yeah. she is very much on our minds right now. But anyway... Because food was always an enjoyable part of my life, I did learn, thank goodness, how to evolve and cook healthier. But clearly, my previous years were not my friend. And and they, they may not have been, and it's one of those things that you may never know. You may not know, ever. How, how much, much of it was genetics. It, right. How much of it were you really highly genetically predisposed to? How much of it am I really highly genetically predisposed to, right? We don't know exactly that right now. And so it may be possible that you could have eaten the way you do now for 30 years, the last 30 years and still have been in this situation. It's completely possible. And so I think sometimes we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to be like, well, I, but I've been doing all the right things, right? I'm using air quotes. You can't see me. I'm doing all the right things. Why am I still having this result? And you can't always tie, like it's not necessarily a causation. There's a lot of correlation between I'm eating better and I'm exercising more so my health is improving. But I don't know that we can necessarily say that the way I ate caused this to happen. No, we we will definitely never know. And I mean, both of my doctors have told me that they're, you know, in their eyes, genetics Mm -hmm. got the best of me. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, my, I have the, the had the blockages, yet I've had perfect cholesterol my whole life. Mm-hmm. So right, I, it just doesn't make any sense. So something I guess we're just never going to know and mm-hmm. just continue, mm-hmm. continue to be as healthy as we possibly can and also thank our lucky stars, right? Yeah. And, and that's a lesson I think that I have noticed or taken from all of this is, again, the, the thank God your heart was healthy part is you were eating a healthy diet. You were exercising as long as you could. Mm-hmm. So your body was as strong as it could have been at the time. And so if your body had been less healthy, if your lungs and your heart had been less strong, if you had had um, buildups in other areas of your body, that outcome right. could have hit so much uh, more significantly. Absolutely. It could have hit in a heart attack or something else. But or and or 
your recovery could have be, could been so much longer. Right. It could have been that, okay, well, we put some stents in, but it didn't fix the problem. Right. Or, you know what I mean? It didn't, like, fix that area of things. Right. right. And so yeah. I definitely think that it's the lesson of I want to be as healthy as I can be. I want to be in control of what I can control so that when things happen that are outside my realm of control, right. my body's able to keep up a little better. Right. Yeah. Right. So we don't just not do it just because we're going to say, oh, genetics are going to get the best of us anyway. Right. You just you have to you have to do the best that you can yeah. for as long as you can, which I think was my main point in there. You know, just start making your healthy choices as soon as you possibly can. And you're going to be better off for yourself. You're going to be better off for your loved ones. You're going to be. Yeah. A, a stronger you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, also. I think the important part that I absolutely want to drive home is I simply can't stress enough. Be an advocate for yourself. Mm -hmm. In my opinion, doctors don't take enough time, really, really listen, you know, and put the pieces together so they understand. And I think a lot of them have a hard time accepting the fact that you just might know yourself a little bit better than they do. Mm -hmm. If you feel like there's an issue that needs to be addressed, and you feel like you're not being listened to, push a little harder or find someone who will listen. I don't know if I'm allowed to say names on here, <laughs> but my cardiologist, I can't, I can't say enough about. He was fantastic from the very first time I saw him. You're allowed to say a name if you like somebody. <laughs> um, Shout outs are always good. My cardiologist's name is Dr. Lakakula, and he's from Northtown Cardiology. And... From the time I walked in there, what I had to say was important to him. Mm-hmm. He was kind. I mean, he was kind in his words, but he was kind in his eyes, too. Mm-hmm. You know, he seriously mm-hmm. was just exactly what I needed. Mm-hmm. You know, no one no one should accept less than that when they're going through something and trying to find something in their life, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because literally he and his colleagues saved my life. And you need someone who's going to listen and take you seriously. Absolutely. Um, We talk a lot on here about healthy habits, of course. So that's like the primary thing we talk about here. So um, it's the primary thing we talk about anywhere. In general, it's mostly what mom and I talk about is like healthy habits or um, what the latest YouTube person said about healthy habits. So um, mostly what we talk about. So what are your, some of your like daily healthy habits like? Like I, I, we've undergone so much in the last couple of years, a few years, but especially in the last few months. Um, but you are continually working on being as healthy as you can, feeling as well as you can. So um, would you want to share a few of the things that you kind of do on a regular basis? I am almost working on it nonstop. And you started the year out with asking people or everybody was like doing it, their favorite word, Mm -hmm. you know, and you're big on mantras. And I didn't have a specific word. And I just went with what was my lifestyle and that is wellness is a way of life. And it literally, it's what I think about from the time I wake up until the time <laughs> I go to bed. Um, but most importantly, I think I have, I, I keep the food in the house that I need food prep and stay on track. Uh, whole foods, lots of them. And I make as much as I can from scratch. I know what's in our food. 
And we simply just eat a lot of vegetables and fruits and tofu and beans and whole grains and, of course, lots of potatoes mm-hmm. and <laughs> lots of potatoes. And I don't think that I could go through this recording of this podcast and not honor dad. We do eat a lot of Butler soy curls. <laughs> if you do not understand these references, you need to go back to the episodes um, where I interviewed my plant-based family. We did a series where I interviewed um, my mom, my dad, and my sister, and then we all talked together about what our transition was like to um, eating plant-based diets, and um, lots of food recommendations came up in those videos. If anytime I ask podcast. dad what he wants to eat, he wants soy curls. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, but I take all these foods, and I just make combinations of them make different things. You know, I pretty much eat a bland diet anyway. So that's where I get my interesting food just by combining the whole foods. And oh, yeah, if you ever want a lesson on combining foods or thinking outside the box, follow mom on Instagram. Um, (laughs) We'll put it in the show notes, but at should have been chef because every once in a while, I'm like, what is in that? And she's like, well, it's like potato and spinach and tofu and chickpeas. And then I mashed up this and then I put them together in a pan. I'm like, what? What is this? (laughs) She's like, "Um, we'll call them potato fritters. I'm like, okay, <laughs> sure. But just a way to combine nutrients. Everybody wants a name for everything. Yeah. Like what am I eating? Just a way though to like combine nutrients, to combine foods, to create something new and interesting mm-hmm. that's going to like sustain you in eating healthy whole foods. So you're not just eating a potato, a pile of spinach, a pile of beans. Like you're making something cool out of it. Yeah. If you just eat potatoes every day, you're going to get bored. Right. I mean, I won't, but most people will. <laughs> Other people will. Right. Um, So I think the other important thing that I do is I only, I eat when I'm hungry. I don't have meal times written in stone. If I, you know, if I'm hungry, I eat. If I'm really hungry, I eat sooner. If I'm not hungry, I eat later. We're just pretty flexible and dad's really, really good about that. So it makes it easier for me to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, We've gotten into the habit of going to bed early, early to bed, early to rise, you know, Mm -hmm. and we don't make whatever show we're watching a priority mm-hmm. it's eight o'clock and we're tired we go to bed <laughs> if it's four o'clock in the morning and we're not tired anymore we get up right. you know it's just mm-hmm. we we listen to our cues we listen to our our hunger cues and our tired cues mm-hmm. and i guess that's uh it's what works best for us mm-hmm. yeah yeah so a lot of like what's happened in the past what are you thinking about going forward so is there anything that you plan on focusing on on this health journey of yours? Anything you plan on focusing on or anything that you're hoping is going to continue to change or grow or be looked at? Like what happens next for you? What happens next for me right now is I remember to listen to anything that's happening. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I can't ignore things in my body. I can't ignore the doctors when they don't find something but I'm going to continue doing what I'm doing right now. And I seek out healthier ways. I'm going to, I'm going to continue making sure that I stay on track and I don't falter. And I am always finding different ways to, you know, nourish myself and nourish my family. And I think one of the biggest things I need to do is try to work toward better activity. Mm-hmm. Now that's been a little bit of a slow go for me mm-hmm. because it was so long that I couldn't, couldn't do what I, you know, what I knew was the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. And it was just holding me back. And it's just gonna, you know, it took a long time for me to get to where I'm at right now. So mm-hmm. I just know it's going to take a little bit for me to get back. And hopefully I will. I just mm-hmm. little bits of activity every day. Yeah, I think that's one of those things will work slowly. It's 
also super hard right now in the Buffalo area because it is so, so stupid cold. cold. <laughs> it's like I woke up this morning and my um, the temperature on my phone said zero real feel negative 15. I'm like, cool. That's really great for our activity levels around here. Um, and real and really great for our Raynaud's. Yeah, right. We're, <laughs> isn't it National Raynaud's Awareness Month too? Um, it's something. I don't know if it was the month, the week, the day, but yes, it okay. is okay. Raynaud's That's Awareness. Topic for a different time. Um, but, <laughs> topic for a different time. But um, yeah, I think getting back to the activity, you, like you said, little bits at a time. And it is... Um, just like everything else we talk about around here is you are not going to be able to go from zero to a hundred. Like, oh, the weather's warm. I'm going to go walk the same route I used to do. That's not going to happen. I literally have to retrain my brain because Mm -hmm. we used to walk for miles. Mm -hmm. You know, I used to go on the treadmill. I used to lift the weights and it's Mm -hmm. just so hard reminding myself that I, you know, maybe I'll do it again and maybe I won't, but I need to work toward it. Yes. I think there's a few lessons in there to be recapped for people. One of them is um, you're talking about listening to your body and listening to your body cues. And sometimes people don't understand what that means. But I think you gave some good examples in there of I eat when I'm hungry. I don't eat when I'm not hungry. I eat. um, I don't have to stick to a time schedule. I can eat little amounts or large amounts depending on what feels appropriate to my body, not Mm -hmm. following some sort of regimented plan. Same with getting rest, with getting activity. We've got to build um, healthier habits into our lives based off of the information our body is giving us about what is going to feel good and what is going to make it feel like it's thriving. So, and the other part there is doing it in small pieces and recognizing that we may not always be the way that we were before. Yeah, that's really a hard thing. That's a hard one, right? We're not going to be the way that we were before. Um, This is like a little bit of a tangent, but I was just recording some Instagram stuff about this, but we're not going to be the way that we were before. And the moment in my life when I realized that I wasn't going to be the way I was going to be before was the day that I bought jeans a size bigger. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like my life changed. Like if I could give the tip, for the thing that has given me the most confidence or the most strength or the most body comfort, body confidence, it would be buying bigger jeans and stop trying to fit myself into the jeans that used to fit. When I can just put on a pair of jeans that make me feel amazing, make me look good, make me feel confident, who cares what the number on the tag says, right? And I think that that's kind of the the mindset, I'm making this link here of maybe we're not going to be able to say it's 50 degrees, let's go walk three miles at the park like we used to. But we can say, let's go walk until we feel like we're good, until we feel like you've had enough. We don't need a time limit. We don't need a distance. Let's just walk until it feels like enough. And if that's around the block, that's around the block. And when we celebrate that, right, tiny habit style, we say, hey, we're going to go for a walk. If we walked to the end of the street and back, doesn't matter. We went for our walk. We get to celebrate. We start programming our brains again. I am good at my health goals. I am literally like at a cross between crying and laughing right now because, you know, I can come across as being very confident. Oh, and I, I listen to my body and I listen to my hunger cues and all that. But just so y'all know, this is Stephanie giving me a little pop talk <laughs> <laughs> because the lack of activity is, I think, one of the hardest things for me. I can control the food and what I put in my body, mm-hmm. but I can't control the amount of activity I'm I'm able and capable of doing. And my brain tells me 
you know, when I, when I turned 50, I felt like I was the healthiest version of myself and running on the treadmill and Mm -hmm. eating all the healthy foods and, and somewhere, you know, between then and now the table turned a little bit and I wasn't able to do all of that. And now here I am, you know, on the verge of turning 55. So Mm -hmm. five years have passed and it, I have to try to understand all over again in my brain who I am and what I'm capable of. Because, Mm -hmm. you know, as you age, you look in the mirror and you're like, well, that's not me, you know, but in my mind, I'm the person that runs on the treadmill and, you know, goes to the gym twice a day. And I just have to figure out how to be this new version of myself, I guess I'm saying. Absolutely. I'm looking up a quote right now because it popped into my head as you were talking and I literally just Googled it and I have to read it right now. Are you ready? (laughs) I'm ready. So here you go, everybody. Um, Okay. You've probably heard it before. It's the F. Scott Fitzgerald. Um, For what it's worth, it's never too late or in my case, too early to be whoever you want to be. There's no time limit. Start whenever you want. You can change or you can stay the same. There are no rules to this thing. We can make the best or the worst of it. And I hope you make the best of it. I hope you see things that startle you. I hope you feel things you've never felt before. I hope you meet people who have a different point of view. I hope you live a life you're proud of. And if you're not, I hope you have the courage to start over again. That's a good one. I do a phone drop, a mic drop, phone drop. It's not me. Those aren't my words. It's F. Scott Fitzgerald. But like, I think that that first line is familiar to some people, right? For what it's worth, it's never too late or too early to be whoever you want to be. And you're not going to go back and be the person you necessarily were before. And I'm not. And listeners, you are not going to be whoever you were before. You're not going to be, have the energy you had in college. You're not going to weigh what you did in high school. You are not going to have the same friendships you had before. You're not going to run the same distance. You're not going to have the same job. You're not going to do the same stuff you did before. That's irrelevant. That's in the past. What are you going to do next? And who's the person that you are going to be this year? And who's the person you're going to be in five years? That's what you're working on. Ladies and gentlemen. This is how I get through every day. (laughs) I could not literally have not gotten through the last few months or the last few years without this support system, Stephanie and Sarah Elizabeth and my husband, David, and even siblings. You know, I, I simply could not have done this as well as it turned out if I didn't have the support system. And Stephanie, I just so you know. We have conversations like this every day just for fun. Yeah, this is just how we talk to each other. It's so weird. It's like fun for us. Um, But um, you're touching on a couple things that are going to come up. Um, At the time that this episode releases, if you're listening to this the first day that it's out, tomorrow we're doing that seven days of self-love challenge. And if you're listening to this some other time, um, check back on Instagram. The live videos will be saved there. Um, And the graphics and stuff from the seven days of self-love challenge. But we're touching on some topics here, one of them being um, our community and sometimes being um, embracing self-love is also knowing when we ourselves need to rely on members of our community and our support system to build us up. But the other part is our area of self-talk and the way that I'm talking to you and the quotes that I'm reading and whatever, this is like my internal dialogue all the time because it's not, it's not easy. It's not hard. I mean, it's not easy. It's hard. It's not second nature. 
to wake up and say, today, I'm going to be a better version of myself and I'm going to do all these things. And it doesn't matter what I did in the past. That's really hard internal dialogue to maintain. Like it takes continual practice. But the way that we talk to ourselves is such a huge factor when it comes to learning to block out the outside and focus on what we want and what is going to help us grow and help us feel well. Like we've really got to fine tune that self-talk. And that's a major topic and theme of the uh, self-love challenge that's coming up. So let's like lighten the mood for a second here. Is there anything that is currently exciting or interesting to you? Aside when you are not working on meal prep, which is probably like a substantial chunk of your time at this point, um, when your brain space is not focused on nourishment. What What is interesting or exciting these days? Mm, you're right. I do a <laughs> lot of food prep. Yeah, <laughs> that that is a, a much of my day, but um, nothing huge. Like a lot of little things, I guess. Um, Dad and I were planners mm-hmm. and I fall asleep at night and I plan like, oh, what am I going to cook the next day? Pretty much think about that all day long. But we like to think and plan about projects that we have, you know, coming up, giving different aspects of the house a new look. Like right now, we're talking about the bathroom. Um, What we're going to do next season, because (laughs) this cold has got to end, you know. So it's got to give some time. (laughs) Counting the days until spring. Um, I haven't had a garden the last couple of years. Haven't had a lot of the, you know, the energy and the oomph to do it. And we're thinking about putting that back in and. Um, dad has said he's going to build some raised beds, which is ridiculously exciting. Yeah, that's super exciting. Um, what will you plant? What do you want to put in the garden? um, Have you thought about that? I have thought about it. It's hard because the things that I really want to do, I don't think are really feasible. Like what? Like potatoes and corn. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) potatoes I think you could grow. But, um, I always thought it was really cool when people do like, the sisters, corned beans and squash. I thought yeah. that would be fun. Yeah. But um, definitely like a lot of green beans and. Mm-hmm. Um, snap peas. Snap, yes. Snap peas love for that. you. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, mostly I just love the idea of growing my own food, you know. Mm-hmm. That's what my dad used to do too. So kind of like keeps me connected to him. Mm-hmm. Well, looking forward to, you know, we can talk about, we can talk about planning for the lake until the sun goes down. But um <laughs> Mostly, I think right now I am definitely looking forward to getting back there and walking in the woods and being outside and embracing the fresh air. And it's the simple things in life, but they keep me going, especially these days, because I am very grateful to have them. Mm-hmm. I think there's a little bit of a lesson in there in enjoying the days that you have, enjoying the time you have and not taking the small things for granted. Absolutely. The small things are the big things. Yeah. They're so, every day is an absolute precious gift. And I, I can't stress enough for you to, for anyone, for everyone to just wake up in the morning and be grateful that you have this day. And what are you going to do with it, you know? I think in the morning, don't waste it. What are you going to do with it? I think that is a perfect way to close this week's episode um, because it kind of tugs at my heart strings a little bit. And this is National uh, Heart Health Month, right? That's why we're here. So thank you. Thank you for talking with us. I know it's not easy to share like your personal story, your personal health journey. You know, that feels uncomfortable sometimes. I, for some reason, it's it sparked me to do it because I am 
typically a private person mm-hmm. and I don't always share, you know, personal aspects of myself, but it just seemed too important mm-hmm. for people to not think about it. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think it's worth saying again, I said this to you before we started recording, but you and I watch people's YouTube video stories. We listen to people's podcast stories. I read books about people's stories and memoirs. And I think this is a little takeaway that your story is just as valuable for people to hear as anyone else's. And you listening at home, your story and your journey is just as worthy of being heard and just as valuable and has just as much to teach people as anyone else's. Like everybody has a story. I appreciate you saying that if... You know, if I didn't think that the possibility exists, that it could open someone's eyes and help, you know, if it helps one person, that it, it makes it worthwhile. And I think if that person is you and you're listening and you would like to connect with mom or um, share some feedback or ask questions or share some of your story, um, you can find her on Instagram. She's at should have been chef. We'll tag that in the show notes. You can always reach out and chat with me. Of course, I'm at Be Well With Steph on Instagram, bewellwithsteph.com. We work on weekly episodes here. If this story um, stood out to you, if you felt like there was something to be learned, if you guys are going through some heart health journeys in your family, would love for you to share this episode with them or to send them our way too so we can connect a little bit. Um, reviews and ratings, especially on Apple Podcasts, are always welcomed and appreciated. If you have a topic of interest for the podcast, if you would like to ask a question or would like for me to chat about something here or find a guest, you can also leave that feedback at bewellwithstuff.com slash podcast. There's a spot for you to scroll down and insert your own questions and comments, and hopefully they can be featured on an upcoming episode. Thanks for being here, mom. Thanks so much for having me, Steph. I have to say that was very therapeutic and I didn't anticipate that. (laughs) Oh, good. Well, there's a little bonus takeaway. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much for listening to Be Well with Steph, the podcast. When there are a million things that you could be doing, I appreciate your choosing to hang out here. And I am proud of you for continuing to work on your own wellness journey. I invite you to head over to BeWellWithStuff.com for the details from this episode, my blog, upcoming events, and lots of other resources. If you enjoyed today's show, I'd love to hear from you. I'm BeWellWithStuff everywhere you like to hang out on social media, so come on over and say hi. Until next time, my friends, be well. Be well.